In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. It makes me who I am in it. And knowing the details, it helps me work through those chains of the past that have to be broken. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena Podcast. I am Jim Ramos, and I'm here with my good buddy, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? Doing really good, Jim. Thank you. What's going on today? Any fire alarms be, get set off at the office? <laughs> nope. My son knows not to do that anymore. Anymore. It's yeah. All the good times in COVID-19. Bring your kid to work it, while yeah, you're podcasting. Yeah, yeah. If you go listen to our interview with Jay Paylighter, uh, I don't know if Dale will cut that out, but there's a scene in there where we shut things down, had to call the police and everybody because uh, his son inadvertently... Uh, hit the fire alarm now he knows what it's about though so yeah. he knows uh he knows that Makes so noise. hey yeah so and, and gets your dad really really ticked <laughs> so, and gets a lecture from jim anyway <laughs> uh but i i don't think i'm scary for a seven-year-old who's just pulled a fire alarm oh not at all <laughs> he had fried egg eyes man i had to be careful hey anyway hey guys i'm really excited about today about a half dozen times a year guys we strategically interview a group of guys that we call our average joe's and arena heroes. These guys are highlighted uh, on our weekly e-blast. They're highlighted through our hero stories, and they're guys like you. They, they're guys who they haven't necessarily written a book. They don't have 100,000 followers on social media. Uh, they're guys who don't travel around the country and speak. They are guys that work hard at their job. They love their wives. They work hard to be the father they're called to be, uh, to serve God, and these guys really are our heroes because they're in the arena getting it done. Now, don't get me wrong. We still love to interview our experts and authors. Those guys are our bread and butter. But these arena heroes, uh, we just believe that you need to hear from these guys. They give you boots on the ground uh, information with how they live their lives. And so we're excited. I'm really excited about this guest today, Dale. I met him about a year ago in Burlington, Vermont. Actually, I, play, I think it was St. Albans, Vermont, at a speaking event. And he's just got a great story. He's got a tremendous heart. He's one of our arena coaches that helped moderate our forum with almost 10,000 guys in that. Before I bring Aaron on, do you have a shout-out today? 
I have my shout out is to Thomas Lawson and and he gave us a email and uh, just saying that he loves the podcast and uh, he would give it a five star rating, but um, he listens on Spotify and he can't do that. So um, if you're uh, listening on a different platform, feel free to just send us an email over info at men in the dot org. And uh, Thomas, uh, I'm going to email you back now and uh, have you give me your address so I can send you some swag, bro. Yeah, I really appreciate guys encouraging us. That's a, a good deal. So thanks so much, guys. Hey, I want to brag about our, our new guest today, my friend uh, Aaron Sullivan. Aaron is 36 years old. He lives in Bennington, Vermont. He's been married to his beautiful wife, Stacy for seven years, but they've been together for 15 years. So that's pretty impressive. He's currently the men's ministry coordinator at his church, and he's also, as I shared, an arena coach for men at the Men's Arena Forum. Uh, he's got a real heart to reach young guys who just are struggling and feel lost. So, Aaron, it's great to have you on the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. You know, uh, it's been life's changing. You know, that's what I'm going through right now. Lots of changes, but it's it's good. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive into what those changes are. But before we do, we're gonna throw you into our rapid fire round. Are you ready for this? Yep. All right, man. All I've done is I've just pulled out four sentences, and I just want you to finish them for me. And I think this is pretty good stuff, just so our guys can get to know you a little bit. So the first sentence I would like you to finish is, I love Vermont because. Uh, it's home. You know, we got we got mud season. We got winter. I'm in sort of like a valley, so... <laughs> It's, the cities below me might be blowing away, but this, where I am, it's perfect weather. Did you say mud season? Hey, and you, mud, and season. mud season. In Oregon, we have rain and construction. In Vermont, they have they have mud and Ben and Jerry's. Right? <laughs> is is it Ben and Jerry's the home of Ben and Jerry's? Is Burlington? Uh, Waterbury, just mm. uh, east of Burlington. Okay, because I know we went to the very first one uh, when we went up there speaking. So mud. Okay, so Vermont because of the mud. All right, well, I'll tell you what. What a beautiful country. We were able to uh, drive into Canada. Dar My son Darby and I went up there. And, uh, man, what a go gorgeous, gorgeous. P I'm from the Pacific Northwest, and you're from, what do you call that up there, the uh, Northeast? Yeah, Northeast, New England, where we are, where you guys were in Burlington, St. Albans. If you went to the east, you'd end up in the Northeast Kingdom, where there ain't many people. But I worked there for yeah, that's a, a few months. I, I hope I can get back there again. That was a beautiful place. So here's one for you. One thing I love about my wife is? Uh, unconditionally love that she has because she chose me. <laughs> that's awesome. I really appreciate that. That's good. So here's one for you. Yeah, and you're actually in the home of uh, Bernie Sanders is from Burlington. So if I were president for a day, I would. Well, I would I would encourage the churches to open and let their people back in. And, you know, especially during this time, just be wise. I work in a hospital. I do my mask like my job requires. My hands are washed and I haven't been sick. And we, my right. hospital was the first one with the in the area that had a community transmitted transmitted. So, Oh, wow. How many people? Uh, I think at our peak, we had 20 or so patients in our facility, but um, they've been doing testing nonstop. They it's, and actually it's been really quiet to the point where they've stopped sending us email updates. <laughs> okay. Now what do you do at the hospital? 
I'm a desktop support tech. So typically when someone calls for issues with their computers, if help desk doesn't attempt to help them, they come to us and then we go to them. Okay. All right. I, I just wasn't sure. That's why I asked. So last question, and we'll move into our interview. If I could change one thing about men, it would be? Drop the lone wolf attitude. Oh. It's not needed. Interesting. So is that, is the lone wolf, uh, explain what that means. And then is that something that comes naturally to men or is that something that is a, a facade? I I think it's, I think it's something natural. I mean, I'm a pretty passive guy and to use an example about two weeks ago, I was about, I was just about two weeks out of my surgery and instead of staying at work and going to the ER to get checked out, I was feeling really funky and under the weather. I drove home and I was talking to my sister and who had the surgery years ago, suggested to me to go get checked out. And then ended up at like seven o'clock, my wife and I drove back down to work to my hospital, ended up having a long night, but it was just my lone wolf attitude of like, I'm just going to push through this. I don't need to. It's fine. But it turned out to be a little bit more than what I was expecting. You know what? I I think that the lone wolf attitude may be the Achilles heel of men. I think that men will naturally, if a man veers off course, he will default into isolation. I think a woman, when she veers off course, she defaults into gossip. So women don't, they, they move into relationships, but when they get unhealthy, their relationships go toxic. But when a man goes off the grid, when he goes off the reservation, he isolates himself. How is that dangerous in your opinion? Uh, you, you just, you just open the biggest foothold for the enemy to get you. Mm. That's exactly what it is. You're, you're going out to the battlefield. You're all alone. You have no one watching your back, and the enemy can just take you. Well, you know, it's interesting, Aaron. Elk season starts here in Oregon uh, this weekend, which by the time listeners hear this, it'll be the it'll probably be the early part of October. And right now as we're recording this, it's the latter part of August. And we've been practicing our calling all summer long. My son and another friend of mine are going to go for a week and a half elk hunting trip. And our whole goal is to kill a bull elk by – using our calling to lure him away from the safety of the herd. And once we can isolate him, we will kill that elk. And it's all about isolation. And predators, the way they kill is through isolation. And I think that's so important for our guys to know that. A lot of these guys, they're isolated in their cars, driving to work, and that's all they ever do. They're going back and forth to work, and they don't have those relationships, and that can be damaging. And if anybody knows about being alone, it's you. Hey, Aaron, will you take a moment and share with our listeners the tragic story of what happened to you in an event that you call the fire? Yeah. So when I was in high school, I was part of sports teams, uh, you know, just a kid trying to get away from the, the household family, just to do things. Um, and I went away to Ohio with the wrestling team uh, about middle December. Uh, 2000, 2000, 2001, I can't remember the exact date, but while I was away, I was given a cell phone from my sister so I could call 
and that was all super new, so I never bothered and let it die. So on the way home, unbeknownst to me, we were listening to a lot of sports channels, a lot of AM channels, so that the news wasn't picked up. And when I got back to the school, I was asked to go down to the coach's office. And when I got down there, my uncle from Florida was there. And he said to me, Aaron, there was a house fire and everyone's dead. And that that's what I came home to. Um, I was given a little money. I bought everyone presents. So I came home with presents because it was so close to Christmas. And when that sentence was completed, I was literally felt like something was disconnected. I I didn't have any, I didn't cry. I didn't have any emotions. I was brought up to the counselor's office. They met us there. All I asked for was to see they go up to the property and see. It, to me, it was just so unbelievable. And to go up there, snowing, and just seeing the remains of the house, it was just, it, it was just, it was crazy. And what was left was my sister that lived down the road, my oldest sister who was who was at work at the time. And who was lost in the in the fire was my parents, three of my sisters, and my oldest sister's son, who was six months old. So you lost three siblings, both your parents. And is it true that you had another brother died er, earlier, years earlier? Ye- years earlier, my parents had Richie, and he had passed away due to medicine um, medicine issues. They believe the wrong medicine was prescribed for him. So, gosh, I am and so sorry to hear all this. It, it's all right. It it, it may it, it makes me who I am, and it and knowing the details, it helps me work through those chains of the past that have to be broken. Because once my parents had lost their son, lost Richie. It caused them, they were hurt, and they didn't they didn't seek the help they should have seeked. And the person they had for support, they lost shortly after as well due to a drunk, a drunk driver. So, so, so how long before your parents' death, what was the time span between Richie's death and your parents' death? Oh, years. Um, maybe 20 years or so. It was... It was a good chunk of time. And they had never overcome that. No. And I was, I didn't, I didn't have a tough upbringing, but it it was clear there was some emotional neglection. You know, the, the affirmation from my father and stuff, Uh, just talking with my wife, I think last night about it. Like the only time I really remember getting the affirmation that I did a good job was that one time winning the Pinewind Derby and, Boy Scouts. Wow. Oh, man. So what caused the fire? Did they ever find out the cause? And the the cause they ruled, we, us being us, we were problem solvers. So we were automatically pointing to it was the furnace 
due to where everything where the most damage was but the investigator ruled it to be the hot water tank that did it wow so so let's let's move forward about a week or two what where did you move and how, what was your christmas tell me about that first christmas uh you know being mentally disconnected the way i was it my my flow is just normal after i believe about a week or so um maybe it was after christmas i returned to school i was taking driver's ed with my sister at the time as well um probably was able to get the my driving license super easily easy due to it my teacher just had me do a project and then i did the road course and that was it um but because i my because i was disconnected so much emotionally i just kind of went through the motions just like it was a normal day i lived with my sister down the road um we had the funeral we had people lined up down the street we had to go to a the largest church in the town the host of the funeral and there was still people were standing just because of how big of an effect my even though my parents were disconnected emotionally with even with me or with us they were they were still those people that if you went to they would give your their shirt off their back to you they would help they wouldn't turn anyone away so how you were 16 15 turning 16 15 turning 16 Walk us through the grieving process. When do you think you got to the other end where you had finally accepted it? This had to have taken some time because you're grieving now five direct family members. Right. You know, my, my grieving, it was, it was over years. It, it was never, it wasn't a quick thing. I didn't cry at the funeral. I didn't cry at the burial. I, I just went through it. Um, I think what what really happened was when I was doing that typical guy thing, trying to get a girl, and ended up going to a church to you know impress and say that I'm there. Is when I started meeting with you know, well, well, one before that, I finished my finished school, high school. I stayed an extra year because I had an IAP, and I figured I'd use it to my advantage but I skipped half of it. Um, I moved to Florida after I graduated. Did that typical kid thing. You know, move away. See if we can get away from it. It still followed me down there. There was, I always had, you know, the, the enemy really had a good good hold on me due to it. There would be times I'd be traveling out to my uncle's house that we were building and, you know, just, just the thought in my head would pop up, you know, would anyone miss you if you hit that tree? Mm. Just, you know, and I, for some reason, I tried substances. I never did anything super crazy, but it just, it, it couldn't, it couldn't grip me, which is, you know, listening to what I've been listening to, it really shows the grace of God. Even if you're not a believer, it's there. He's there protecting you. You may not see it, but it's him. 
Uh, like, there's no reason why I should have, could not have been addicted to something that he, you know. But I'm fortunate not to have that minus the seeking the comfort and food aspect. Because after the fire, that's when the majority of the weight came on. So, so how long would you say that so you the death of your family happened between 50, around 15 and 16 at what yep. point in your life at what age were you and you felt like you worked through this process to some degree to some degree we yeah, probably you, had to say about probably about 2006 2007 okay, okay so you met stacy 2005 six, you met stacy right around the same time that you're ending this grieving process right just really getting into it. I mean, it it was, it it, it was a tough journey to walk and still to walk. So what's this? There the, is. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I there is the. No, it's all right. It, it's it was a tough journey to walk. It's still a tough journey, but the, the thing that I was always struggling with was having the weight of the death on my shoulders. Because, mm. you know, you always have those what ifs. What if I was there? I could have been up. I could have, you know. But So now Stacy enters your life. Now, there's a funny story about that. You want to share that with our readers, our listeners? Sure. So my senior year in high school, I had a, I had a date lined up for prom. I wanted to really do a good one, you know, have a good prom. And that, that initial date fell through. So I still was committed to go, but I didn't have anyone. And then a rumor started that I was taking Chrissy to prom. And I'm like, I, I don't even know who this person is. And at the time, she, she was a freshman in high school. And here I'm on my second year of being a senior. So it's five years. <laughs> and so I ended up meeting her, hung out. Hung out with her and Stacy, their sisters, and they're they're under a year apart, so they're Irish twins or whatever they call it. <laughs> and um, you know, did prom, had a fun time. Moved to Florida. While I was in Florida, Stacy would message me every so often on AOL, <laughs> and. She, you know, I would, you know, just give a quick reply or blow off the message. And about two years, almost two years to the day, I just, I just had this feeling that I had to go home. I had to go back to Vermont. So just told my aunt, I go, I'm leaving. I got some money. I'll get the, get the car set with oil change and whatnot. Packed up what I could pack into my car. And I drove. Uh, I did 19 hours driving. I was back in Vermont. Um, once I got back in Vermont, Stacy started messaging me more. And I decided to start hanging out with her. And that was it, you know. So at the point at this point of time, you're back in Vermont, you're dating uh one of the Irish twins that you're gonna end up marrying. You're coming to the end of this grieving process. I realize it's reoccurring, but you're getting to the end. Uh, get into that acceptance phase. But you had said earlier that you dealt with things uh, with comfort and food. When you first heard the news of your parents' death, what did you weigh? And then six years later, what did you weigh? How did food 
impact your life? To be honest, I don't know what I weighed at the time. I know it was my, if I remember correctly, that was the year I was really busting my tail to get into a, a wrestling weight so I could wrestle. And the lowest I got to from what I, what I remember was 285. Okay. Um, six, year, six years later, I, I was clearly in the high threes. So um, put on 100 my, pounds. Yeah. How tall are you? 5'11". So you're 5'11", we'll call it four bills. So how, so how does your, how did the death of your family affect your weight negatively? It, it's a trait of my family is we always went to food for comfort, mm-hmm. you know, and when the fire happened, people were sending food, sending platters. Um, oh, I always had the mindset that you had to clean the plate. So I was the one that was always kind of eating stuff. I ended up getting a really bad infection that I should have went to the hospital for. I never did. Um, and now I have some leftover remains of that, but, um, and you know, that was just, it It was always the, the full stomach made everything feel better Mm -hmm. and it didn't matter what it was. Yeah. So were you doing any exercise at all? No, not at that time. So your weight continued to climb. Yeah. What was the breaking point for you? My breaking point was February 2019 with my weight when I got on the scale and I was 5'16". Whoa. That was my breaking point. And my wife and I had been talking for years about doing something about the weight we've cut out things we've cut out soda we've cut out you know we've cut down the sugars we cut you know there's all this stuff that we've cut um and we've we've talked about the the gastric bypass but we held off on it because my sisters both did it one was they were one was successful at first but she had a job where she could work out every day in the middle of the day and and hit the stuff really good the other one, she she just kind of did it, but then she didn't really change. Mm. So mm. I seeing those two, and then in the long term, the successful sister, she she really got off it. And at the time when I saw that weight of five sixteen, my options as far as like the bypass went was a facility in Saratoga, uh-huh. or Dartmouth. Saratoga is a little over an hour away. Dartmouth is three hours. And I didn't want to commit for that. So you've decided you're going to do the surgery. Now it's a matter of the location. You're 516 right. pounds. What happened next? Um, so at this time, I was working for a company in New York. So Saratoga was the best option. I could finagle something and do my appointments on a lunch break. So I went through the stuff for Saratoga and about a week ago, week after doing the seminar, they reached out to me and said, my insurance doesn't cover any of it. Mm. So that was, that was a blow. So I went to my primary care and the options we were talking about, we started doing, started me on fentermine, which is an appetite suppressant. And 
very I'm very hesitant on just taking pills without really reading into them. Yeah. So I, I had the prescription with me. I was reading the material on them. I was reading, you know, watching case studies on it. And with agreements with my wife and I, we I started it. You know, and the weight started coming off. You know, one month it was ten pounds. Next month it was fifteen. I know in July was my biggest loss of like twenty three. Wow. And during this time, I was I was also seeking new employment. I wanted something a little closer home, or at least something to get me off Hoosick Street in Troy. So, only the locals will know how bad Hoosick Street is. <laughs> but um, one night, I was looking at my hospital that I'm working at now, Berkshire Medical, and. I saw they had a position open and I had applied with them before. So I'm just like, I'm just going to resend the same stuff. So just as I get a call from my current boss that they're going to increase my pay because of what a good job I do, I get a call from my current employer asking to do a in-person interview. So I'm like, you know, I, I wasn't, I was, I was in a down position at that time. So I was like, sure, let's do it. Let's schedule it. So they scheduled it a couple of days after I returned from the men's camping trip that we planned to go up to Maine and came back, did the interview, went really well. The next day they called me. They said they wanted to offer me the position. So I'm all right. I'm like, perfect. Sure, I'll take it. So. And at this time, I wasn't aware that they did the gastric bypass there, hmm. that they had the yeah, that they had the program. So I'm doing work, I'm walking around doing my job, and I come across the the weight loss clinic, and I poke my head in, just kind of talk with everyone, see what's going on, and found out that they do do it there. So I call to see when the next seminar is, and they're like, they're, and they ask me where I'm coming from. I go Bennington, Vermont. And they're like, oh, well, we have one right up there at the country club, which is ironic because that's where Stacy and I had our reception. So I get there, I do the seminar, I get talking with the person. She asked me what insurance I have. I'm like, I have the insurance through the hospital. She's like, great, you're taken care of. And, you know, as, as simple as the story sounds, this is just doors the lord is opening the lord opened all those doors i had nothing to do it he he provided me my skills he he opened those doors i mean i interviewed 50 plus places in that pat in that year between 2018 and 19 so you get the your, so the surgery is set and you're not gonna have to pay for it now because you're working yep. for a hospital you go in and you had the surgery when? I just had the surgery July 29th due to COVID. Okay, so so you've had it just recently. So you're you were at five sixteen. What do you weigh right now? Three sixty one. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. Let's focus on this right now. How did your weight when you were at your heaviest? How did that affect? your relationship with God. I mean, did it affect, did, do you, do you see your body 
as having an impact on your spiritual life, or were those two mutually exclusive? You know, I I want to say it affected it because being that heavy, the motivation just isn't there for things. Okay. And you know, once I started losing weight, once I got down to the the low fours, and I went to Billy B's with my kid, with my son. You know, and actually being able to run around and play in there with them, it was great. Whereas before, I won't be able to do that. So before, you were not able to be active for your kids. How old are your kids? I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Oh, gosh. They're wild. Okay. So now you're, yeah. you're experiencing more energy. What about, your, what about your spiritual life? Do you feel that you're able to pursue God on a different level? Has that been affected at all? I do. I do feel I can pursue God on a different level because, you know, I, through the walk I've had with him and what he's done and shown to, you know, done for me, it's just, it's increased my, my drive to want to know him more. Um, one of the, one of the big healing factors that he did for me is because of the fire, I was carrying this weight on my shoulder for years. It always felt I would take three steps forward and take four back. And one night I, I was driving home after helping the small church with their video. And I was just, I was just pleading to him to take the weights. I just, I wanted to, I just don't want to feel it anymore. I don't mm-hmm. want them there. And it, it must've been like the next day or the day after I, you know, woke up literally felt like there was weight lifted off me. Wow. And it wasn't there. So you're pretty new into the weight loss. Have you seen yep. any impact on other aspects of your life? Yeah, you know, I've ironically having the the surgery it, it managed to calm my kids down from jumping on me at the moment, but yeah. <laughs> um no, it has. I We've been doing walks outside. We go to this place up in North Bennington called the Mile Round Woods. We've been hiking through there. Before, I, it was a struggle to go for a walk for like a mile. Yeah. And now it's, you know, it's really not as bad. How are other people responding to you differently? I mean, you're still a big um, dude, 5'11", 365, but you're, I'm sure you have a goal weight of, what? what's your goal weight? I, I don't have a goal weight. <laughs> okay, so you're just kind of going with the flow here. I'm just going with it. Um, I talked with the, the weight loss clinic, and they said they usually don't set goal weights. They they look at making sure the BMI changes. So, I mean, I've been looking at people and what they've lost, and, you know, I'm, like, just ballparking. I think if I can get, like, 2, 220, I'd be good. Holy but, cow. But I mean, wow. according to the chart, my my ideal weight should be 180 or 170 something. So it's like, gotcha. I don't think I remember any time weighing that much. Yeah, you won't be recognizable. Holy cow! Are you are you getting affirmation from people around you? What, how are people treating you differently? Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying how well I look. Um, and and that brings up you know how I one of the things that I've been working on really, really hard with my life is being that same person wherever I am. Mm-hmm. So I do, I excel at work because I get that affirmation from, 
my coworkers, my boss, the people I help. But that was that's a struggle that I'm working with and is to be that same person where I'm at. Mm. And, you know, I get I get more affirmation now at home, you know, the wife is liking how I'm looking, my sister saying I'm doing really well and Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how people treat you as the weight comes off and if there's a difference. I mean, studies show that there is a difference. And so I'd be curious. So so what are you learning now about your brokenness and that journey? I you know, the brokenness and listening listening to your podcast has has opened up a lot of stuff and listening to the books. In you know the father wound that was something that I've really that was like a new discovery to me, especially within this past year. Uh-huh. I'm working through that. Um, I've done I've done David Dunksy's course with him. Um, that helped out a lot. You know that was really fun to work with those guys all over the country or all over the world. And you know I've since then recognizing the wound and what I have. Um, I've started seeing a, a therapist to work through that stuff as well. You know, I, my biggest thing is I want to be there for my kids. I don't want to be the, you know, my dad was a great dad. He worked second. He worked the graveyard shift for a couple of reasons, but it was like, we only really saw him on the weekend. And I don't want to be that dad that, you know, gets home from work and just checks out. Mm. I want to, I want to be there. I want them to know I'm there. So you, you said that you had a father wound. A lot of guys may or may not have heard of that phrase before, but how did you discover you had a father wound and what is the father wound? I mean, your dad was, you know, gone by the time you were 16. You, how do you reconcile that with a father who's deceased? Right. And that's, that's been one of my struggles, but you know, he he was a great guy. He was a great worldly guy. We weren't, my family growing up wasn't really big into the church. Um, we didn't really know much of the, the Lord or the gospels. Um, but, you know, going through the material I've gone through, my father wound is definitely that affirmation of, you know, you're doing good boy. You're doing, you know, that's good. You know, just getting that, um, and with my journey and what I'm finding and what I've found and, you know, the key things that that's needed, which you, you know, a lot of your podcasts bring up are, you know, the battle buddies. You, mm. you need your, your wingman. You need someone there that you can count on. And, you know, the majority of my life is, it's always been just me, which brings up that whole lone wolf mentality. Yeah. Wow. No, that's really powerful. So we often think that our battle buddies are guys who call us out, guys who call us up, guys who call us in. But really, there's something much more going on there because guys like you or myself or Dale, who for the most part are pretty good dudes, what we lack really is affirmation. How how have your guys poured affirmation into you? Well, I mean, since the the weight loss, I'm getting that, you know, getting that you're looking sharp type thing comments and, um, you know, me being tech savvy, I get affirmation with that. But, 
just now since really starting up the mint stuff um, and really building into how important those having those groups of guys around other guys is. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what that's what's been a real big goal of mine is to get that built up here. So, do you think that that brokenness will ever go away, uh, or do you th- just learn to live with it, or is there some medium in between the two? You know, I think one, I don't think it'll ever go away. Two, you're gonna live with it, but with using being with the Lord. He's going to show you how you can use it and how you can help people that have it. Um, like I've, I've dealt with that brokenness for so long and, you know, really just in recent years is when it, it really got turned around where it wasn't as much of a brokenness, an active brokenness and weight. Yeah, that's, well, I have a friend of mine. He's a pastor friend of mine. Uh, Dean Yoder, and he says, uh, if you're fixed on Jesus, you're fixed enough. And one of the things that people, I think, inadvertently realize, I don't think this is scriptural personally, that you can be totally free and not broken. And I would disagree with that scripturally, because I believe you can be free and broken. In fact, I think we're all broken, but we can walk in freedom. What are some things that you are doing now to break some of the generational brokenness from your, with your children? Mine, I'm, I'm being, you know, I'm spending more time with them. I'm trying, I'm being there for them. It's, it's killing me because of this whole COVID thing and my wife's work, how the maps they're using, because I really want to take them places and we can't, because if we do, my wife has to be quarantined. Mm. Um. But, you know, really just being there with them, you know, trying to show them interesting things. I'm looking into, since my son's getting up in that age, I'm looking into the trail, the Christian version of Boy Scouts. Uh Uh-huh. And seeing, you know, seeing about starting up a troop. And then, you know, the real thing is just being with them. Because... One thing that I always remember with my father is whenever we went somewhere, like even if it was like to the store, he was always hanging out in the vehicle. He never came in, but he, he was a big guy as well. So I don't know if that was part of it. And I'm sure his past, he had a father wound that was never dealt with either. So you're, I mean, you're talking about some generational stuff here. And one of the things that you're talking about is you've grown up in a sedentary lifestyle because yeah. A person doesn't wake up one day, they're 500 pounds. That's a lot of work to put that much food into a body. So you've almost got a second chance here. You have got a second chance. Right. What are you going to do or what are you doing to lead Stacy and the kids to a healthy lifestyle? And you break know, that the immediate, huh? So the immediate things, the immediate things that I've learned during this process, it's all about choices, making the smart choice. You know, you can break it down as simple as having that piece of cake or saying that you're done mm-hmm. or having a smaller piece of cake, not having the big piece that people cut you. Which is the round or, piece. Right. The round or piece. Being, <laughs> or being that person they can turn to and be like, hey, there's only a couple more hot dogs. Can you eat them? You know. 
Um, so what's in your fridge now that wasn't in your fridge before? Well, I guess for starters, when you say hemp milk. <laughs> okay. That, um, so you're drinking I, hemp milk. Uh-huh. I use that with my protein mix. I, I use um, Cabot Whey protein. It's plain. Um, for some reason, it doesn't bother me. So is that a new addition yeah. to your diet, whey protein? Yep, that's I've been drinking that for um, God, you gotta forgive me. I mean, I've been on I've been on a liquid diet since the twenty eighth of July and on the twenty fourth of August I was I was deemed I can go to puree. So for example, oh, my lunch so for example, my lunch today was some feta cheese and um marinara sauce in the microwave. Oh gosh, so you so you when can you start eating solid food? Um, if we're, if we're sticking to the four week thing, probably October, November, I'll be back. To oh man, that's, oh, wow. So, so you have a great opportunity right now while yeah. you're forced to eat only certain foods or should I say slurp only certain foods, right. you're, you're at a great opportunity to lead your family uh, into a healthy lifestyle. I'm assuming your kids are, forgive the word overweight. I don't know how big your kids are. But I'm no, assuming your whole family struggles with that. Not. No, okay. The, the, the kid, I I want it. It surprises me. Riker's not a chubby kid, considering what he puts in his body. Uh-huh. But he's such an active kid; he just burns it. And the only thing that poor kid has against him is his father carries a duplication on a gene, so he managed to get that from me. And he's five. But he's the size of an eight, nine-year-old. Oh, as far as okay. So, so tell me what this, what is this duplication of a gene? I, I don't know what this is. So, my poor kid, Riker, we are the school system wanted us to take him through all sorts of testing to see what's going on with him because he has a he has a slight learning delay, and the last the last test on the thing was to get genetics tested. And they found a slight duplication on, I think it was gene 13. So if you look it up, it's like four pages of possible issues that could cause. And really for that, for that poor kid from that list, it's just the edu- the, the ve- developmental delay. Um, and they wanted my wife and I to get, our blood tested our gene genetics to get tested to see who carried it. And it turned out to be me, but all they said after that was if anything changes in a couple years, we can do retesting. Wow. Well, you've got a great opportunity, Aaron, to, to lead your family into a healthy uh, lifestyle. Uh, Sounds like you've already done that with your, your walk with Jesus and you've modeled that well. And so, man, we're just really excited for you and want to encourage you and affirm the path you're on. Uh, man, you've overcome so much in your life. And, uh, man, we're just really excited. It's an honor to be a part of your life and to, to serve you. with you in this ministry. And, uh, man, will you keep us informed? Will do. You know what? You know what? One thing sticks out with me when my walk is or what gets me is when people are like, oh, I'm a Christian. Everything's so good and golden. They have no issues. Those are the lying. Like, they're the, they're, I'm, those I'm are like, God's. 
I'm like, you, you aren't. Because if you were, <laughs> you Those had this God's... target on your back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those are God's lying children. They're his lying right. children. So, so you know what I want to do to, to our guys here, for our guys? Guys, I want to get our boots on the ground. You've heard uh, uh, a, a tragic story. You've heard a struggling story. You've heard a victorious story. I think the key things that I'm taking away today are don't be a lone ranger and identify your brokenness because, guy, listen, you have brokenness. So here's what I'd ask you to do. Find a couple of these guys uh, that you trust. Aaron calls them his battle buzzy buddies. Call, Get a hold of a couple of these guys and just ask them, is there something in me that you see that I don't see that is a, a brokenness or is a blind spot? Or is an area where I can grow, uh, and 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 will you just tell me what that is? And I think if you identify what that is, that'll really help you. So, guys, if you could just take that real simple action step this week to get your boots on the ground, we'd love to hear what you're finding out, and we'd love to have you shoot us an email uh, to encourage us with uh, what God is doing in your life. So, thanks again, Aaron, for coming on the show, and Dale, why don't you drive us no home, problem. baby? Yeah, guys, we want you to head on over to minandarena.org and sign up for your free book. We ha- each week we have books to give away and from different podcasts that we do, or it's one of ours. So get on over there and fill that out, and we'll uh, enter you to win those. And we will also sign you up for our free weekly equipping e-blast, which includes links to the newest podcast, videos from Jim, weekly blog, hero stories, and more. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.